You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. A wonderful Savior. Amen. And He's still saving people. Lives are being changed, transformed. And I thank God for that. Amen. If you're a guest tonight, we want to meet you at the welcome desk after the service. Amen. We welcome everyone that's in the house of the Lord and everyone that's joined us online, watching or listening tonight. We're so thankful that you're part of our service here at Mission Point. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, and we'll read from verse 1 to verse 4. It says, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My beloved, well-beloved, hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it. And also made a wine press therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes." Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight on God-given hunger. God-given hunger. Uh, When you talk about the topic or or think about the topic of hunger, um, anyone hungry right now? Yeah, we got some people. So I'll try to get through this so you can go get something to eat. Hunger is, uh, it's, it's scriptural. It's actually talked about in multiple scriptures in the Bible. It's a natural part of our life, and sometimes people get hungry at all different times of the day, and uh, sometimes people get hungry in the middle of the night. I don't know if that happens to you, Um, but if it does, sometimes I'm sure you may get up and have something to snack on, and uh, getting hungry at the wrong times, (laughs) it's not always the best thing. I find that out on a regular basis. But the scripture tells us a lot about hunger, and it tells us a lot about God-given hunger. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Luke chapter 6 and 21, blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. John chapter 6 and 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Revelation chapter 7 verse 16, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the, the sun light on them nor any heat, for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living 
fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Many sermons, songs, uh, many prayers are filled with the reference of hunger or the things that God has for our life that maybe he desires for you and I to have, uh, things that you desire to have. That's, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And that picture is given to us through Scripture. I've read to you multiple uh, examples of where hunger is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. But Isaiah's song and the verses that I read to you, the four verses, uh, tells of Jehovah's vineyard, which is obviously Israel. You can see that in verse 7. And the song reviews symbolically uh, the things that God has done for the vineyard or for Israel. And it's, it's talking about many things that God has done. And I'm going to go through just a few of those things that he has done and how that is significant to us when it comes to our hunger for what God has for us and his hunger for us. Talking tonight about a God-given hunger. God-given hunger. If you look at the passage that I have uh, read to you, the Bible says that the vineyard or Israel, uh, he, he, first of all, he fenced it. It was a vineyard. It's a, that, that's a plot of ground uh, that separated maybe from a common field or a pasture. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's fenced in in order to be improved with cultivation and that its grapes may uh, yield a, a generous amount of, of, uh, of uh, wine. And, and Israel, uh, according to Scripture, was a chosen generation, a chosen group of people, a, a, a chosen uh, a land where out of the rest of the world they could worship God according to the laws that he had put and the guidelines that he had put and that their lifestyle and their culture was going to be different uh, than any other nation and they were going to be distinguished and they were going to be peculiar and, and he had put statutes and, and things for them to observe and, and diet and conversation and all kinds of things you can find in the Old Testament that had to do with the with the people Israel because he had brought them out of all the rest of the people and he had chosen them. And, and so you see in this passage that he has fenced, uh, fenced the vineyard. If they had not thrown down the fence uh, that God made, uh, 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 then they would be protected from their enemies and no one would be able to harm them. And there would be this miraculous protection that God would have upon Israel and he would supply everything that they had need uh, of within the fence. Uh, and, and the Jews would remember, remain such a, a, a precious people to God. And, and they, these chosen people were, were, were called out and he was putting his, his blessing upon them in a powerful way. The scripture says that this vineyard, Israel, was fenced, protected. The second thing that it says, that he had gathered out the stones thereof. God cast out the ancient inhabitants of Canaan to make room for the children of Israel. He had cast out their idols. He had destroyed their temples and there would be no stumbling blocks that would be left in their way and they would wholly turn to God and their only focus would be on the almighty God. Everything that could be a distraction or a stumbling block had been removed. What a powerful way that you are 
fenced in and protected by God, and everything uh, that could be a harm to you would be removed. Amen. He's talking about his people, Israel. He planted them, the Bible says, with the choicest vine. God planted in Israel the choicest vine of true religion, the form of government that he had revealed to them from heaven. You can only imagine how incredible that was as Moses was up Mount Sinai and he's given the directions to the tabernacle. He's given the the Ten Commandments. He's given the the choicest of of direction. and, And this is divinely given. Ten Commandments written with the finger of God. I mean, you talk about a powerful... Uh, indication that God's on your side. He said he planted them with the choicest vine. He had made excellent provision and instruction for his people concerning how to please him. Uh, he had given them all the, the, the necessary tools uh, that they needed to be on the Lord's side. The, ver- the Bible says also that he built a tower in the midst thereof. Uh, the tower uh, of a vineyard was used to guard and to defend against thieves uh, and beasts. And it was a place where the owner could dwell, where the Almighty God would sit over watch of his people. Uh, for Israel, uh, this was the temple where God's uh, presence dwelt. And he had given them the instruction uh, that where the Ark of the Covenant was, uh, amen, the very presence of God was. And, and when it was time to move, they moved the Ark. Uh, and when it was time to stay, the Ark stayed and what a powerful demonstration of of how God's spirit was always going to be where his people was I mean you couldn't ask for more you don't have to question where his presence is God said I'm going to put that right into the holies of holies and you're only going to move when you see the cloud move or you're going to be led by a pillar of fire you're always going to know where the presence of God was he built a right in the midst of that vineyard. The Bible says he also made a wine press therein, and the grapes were brought to the wine press and squeezed in a top trough so that the juice ran down to the lower trough. And this is where Israel would sacrifice on the altar, and they would offer that sacrifice to God, and it would come up as a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. And, and they were given of the best that they had, and, and, and as they offered to the Lord, he accepted that offering uh, uh, from each family. And then once a year, to push that sin ahead for another year, uh, the offering was offered. You can see how they were a choice people with everything they needed everything. And after all these efforts, God looks at the grapes and he says, they're wild. They're wild grapes. He had given everything they needed. And yet there was times, and you can read throughout the old Testament time after time, they would turn to God, turn away from God. The leader would follow God. The next leader would not follow God. They would fall into idolatry, cry, and God would deliver them. I mean, throughout the whole t- Old Testament, you can see time after time. And God said, listen, I've given you everything you need, but sometimes there is wild grapes growing. The Hebrew expressed a fruit that is offensive or uh, wasn't eat, uh, edible. The Arabs would translate this as wolf grapes or stink berries. 
They were considered poisonous and, and uh, not good for eating. In other words, these uncultivated natural states of, of grapes, was, grapes was not a good product. And, and as a result, uh, you can see in verses 5 and 6 that God had removed his hand from off of Israel. And, and, and it was a warning to them uh, that God was not... I mean, he's, he's willing to give everything we need, but he, he doesn't want us to walk out from underneath that protection. He, he wants to be uh, in the center uh, uh, of that tower. He wants to be uh, that everything we need relies on him. It's called God-given hunger. God-given hunger. See, Paul writes to the Corinthian church in chapter 10 and verse 11. He says, now all these things happened unto them for in samples. And they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world has, are come. Romans chapter 11, Paul writes and says, That will say then the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded by fear, for God spared not the natural branches. Take heed lest he also spare not thee. The church today is God's vineyard. Okay? It's God's vineyard. And he has great things for us. He's got great things in store. And everything that you need tonight is in him. You don't have to look outside the church for anything that you need. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the church. When you become part of the church of the living God, everything you need is in that. It is. Just as Israel was the vineyard as God's people in Isaiah chapter 5, when you come to the New Testament, that vineyard is the church. He purchased the church with his own blood. He's going to have a church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a church Amen. This is what he's done for us as a church. He has fenced us in. That's done through his word. The fence was not built to keep the vine in. The fence was to keep danger out. There shouldn't even be any indication from any of us tonight that we want to get out of the church. Everything should it be, we don't want to let anything into our life that would cause us danger in the church. It shouldn't be that we have to worry about whether we're going to stay in the church. Oh, that's, that should be already decided. You should have that already placed in your mind. Doesn't matter what comes your way. You're going to stay in the church. You're going to stay part of the church. The church is what you were born into, and the church is where you're going to remain. The one thing that you and I got to make sure is nothing comes into the church to cause danger to the church. Because, see, here, here's how it is. The church is going to survive whether I'm in it or not. It's going to survive. Whether I'm in it or not, 
I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm in this church. I'm part of this church. Amen. I'm going to stay in this church. Oh, is the church perfect? No, it's full of people. Amen. But his church is going up higher. Hallelujah. I'm part of this church. It's not about whether it's I'm going to be in the church, out of the church, belong to the church. I made up that already. I will not. You must not allow something to bring danger to your life. Amen. In the church. Be fenced in. That's through his word. The writer of Psalm 40 says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. God's law is concealed in there to make sure nothing comes in to harm my heart. I can't even let a root, a small fox. The Bible gives us lots of examples. A root of bitterness. Small foxes that spoil the vine. Tells me to take heed lest I fall. Lots of things are put in our pathway. But it should never be whether we're deciding to be in the church. No, no, I'm going to remain fenced in. I'm under his protection. I'm covered by his word. I want his law, amen, to be in my heart. Psalm 40 verse 10 says, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. The Lord's saying, listen, everything you need to stay fenced in is in the church. You don't have to look for anything new in 2023. The church still works. His word still keeps you within the fence. It's amazing that he compares us to sheep. And uh, had the privilege of raising sheep. And it didn't matter how much grass was in the field. The sheep always had their head through the fence trying to get what was on the other side of the fence. It's incredible. Acres and acres of pasture, and they got their head through the fence trying to get grass in the ditch. It was amazing to watch. Sometimes they get stuck, thinking the grass was greener on the other side. Seriously. Not realizing that that fence, his word, was there for their protection. Oh, don't, don't let it ever be that you question whether you're going to stay inside the fence of the church. Don't let that ever be. If that thought even arises in your spirit, and no, listen, I, did, I settled that a long time ago. I settled a long time ago. His word is going to keep me fenced in inside the church. The second thing about this vineyard, the church, he gathered out the stones thereof. That was done through his blood. God has rolled away the boulders in my life called sin. The things that were hindrances to me, the things that were hindrances to you, 
were removed by the power of his blood. The stones have been removed. Aren't you thankful tonight that your past doesn't determine whether you're in the church or not? I'm thankful that the past is not what defines me. It's not what defines you. He's already rolled those stones away through the power of his blood in my life. Genesis 29 and 3, the stone rolled away from the well. Joshua 5 and 9, the reproach of Israel was rolled away. Psalm 37 and verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That same word is used for rolled away. If you keep yourself committed to him, you don't have to worry about the boulders of sin. Amen. The blood takes care of that. Amen. Well, pastor, I've got lots of issues in my life. Join the club. We all got issues in our life. But the power of his cleansing blood helps take care of those issues. And we're in a process of just getting better because there's a God-given hunger in every one of us, God. Hallelujah. I'm part of this vineyard called the church. Amen. It's a work in progress. But I'm staying inside the fence. I'm letting your blood cleanse my life. Amen. The Hebrew word, galal, for roll. The derivatives of that word are Galilee and Golgotha. A Galilean died on Golgotha to take away the boulders in my life. The same word that's used to roll away the stone. Think about how powerful it is. There's nothing in the word by accident. He allows a man from Galilee to die on Golgotha's hill. Amen. So that you and I could be free from the sin that's in our life. You, you, listen, don't underestimate how powerful, amen, God has placed you in the church, the vineyard of the church. Amen. God-given hunger. He planted you and I with the choicest Vine, that choicest vine is his love. John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. God purges the good branches. His love doesn't mean that it will always be pleasant, and it doesn't mean that you and I won't have problems. But he has planted us with the choicest vine, and that is his love. And his love never fails. His love will get you all the way. His love it will never give up on you. His mercy will always be everlasting. And his grace will always be, amen, sufficient. Everything, amen, the choices. He's not planting leftover seed. He's not going to the 50% off part of the store to buy the vines. He 
purchased you with the choicest of vines. That is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that you would not perish, that I would have everlasting life. Something, hallelujah, has been placed in you. Hallelujah, it's a God-given hunger. Amen. You're part of this wonderful thing called the church. He compared Israel to the vine. And he compares his church also to the vineyard. In in Isaiah chapter 5, he built a tower in the midst of it. And he's built a tower in the midst of us. And that's his name. Proverbs 18 and 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. Listen, you, you've got the power and the authority of his name in the church. Amen. As that young lady went down in the name of Jesus this, this, this morning, something powerful happened in her life as her sins were washed away. It had nothing to do with the water in the baptismal tank or this church. It had all the power that was in the name of Jesus. There was a tower built in the middle of the vineyard called the church. That's his name. Amen. The Old Testament covenant names of God are all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Jehovah Tiskanu, Jehovah our righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. Jehovah Mekadesh, Jehovah who sacrifices. He became the supreme sacrifice. Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah is peace. Amen. Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah is there. Jehovah Rophe. Jehovah heals. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah the provider. Jehovah Rophi. Jehovah my shepherd. Jehovah Nishi. Jehovah my banner or the miracle that happens in my life. Let me tell you, he built a tower in the middle of the vineyard called the church and that is his name. There is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess the name of Jesus. He built a tower. Amen. That tower is a strong tower. And just the mentioning of his name, how powerful it is for you and I in the vineyard called the church, that when you call upon his name, instantaneously, he's present. You don't have to worry about him being on vacation, not answering the phone, having it on silent, no notifications. Do not disturb. I used do not disturb the other day. First time. Where do you think I was? I was hunting. Hunting. Can't have the phone ringing while you're hunting. I can have it ringing in the middle of the night. I don't put it on then. But oh, when I was hunting. Beep, beep. Ring. No, no, you can't have that, Brother Thornton, can you? 
Oh. Do not disturb. I didn't even know how to put it on. My son taught me how to do that. That was in between him sleeping. He slept almost the whole time we were in there. He had a great day of rest. No, the, his name's a strong tower. You can call upon it for any reason at any time of the day. Amen. You don't have to wait for anybody else. You can call upon his name. You don't got time to call people when you're doing twirly-whirlies. You don't have time to do that when you're on the road going around and around. You call in the name of Jesus. He's right there. In times of trauma, in times of desperation, you call upon his name. He's built right in the middle of his church. Coming to a close, he also made a wine press therein, according to Isaiah chapter 5. And, of course, in this great vineyard called the church, he made a wine press therein, and that's his spirit. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, we're in success, but be filled with the spirit. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And when the squeeze is on, and when the tough times come, the Bible says he'll raise up a standard. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. No matter what's happening in your life, my life. He built a wine press in this vineyard called the church. And it is the power of his spirit. I'm thankful. It doesn't depend on anyone else. It doesn't depend upon church, whether church was good or bad. None of those things. It only depends upon him, his spirit. Amen. In the wee hours of the morning, on Tuesday when no one's around, on Saturday when you call upon the power of his spirit, it's just as real as it is tonight. He made a wine press in the middle of the vineyard called the church, and that is the power of his spirit. I watched today as we were praying for that young lady. The tears were rolling down her face as the power of the Holy Ghost came upon her. Amen. Let me tell you, uh, there's something incredible about his spirit. Hallelujah. All of a sudden, there's a refreshing that comes. There's a renewal that comes. There's an assurance that comes. Hallelujah. When, when you don't know where else to turn, you can pray in the spirit. Hallelujah. Groanings which cannot be uttered. Something deep down inside. Amen. You might not even have the words to say, but there's a wine press in the middle of the vineyard called the church and that is the power of his spirit I'm thankful I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost and his spirit that gets us through all kinds of situations and circumstances and so this beautiful vineyard is called the church, and he's fenced you in with his word, and 
He's gathered the stones out of our life through his blood. He's planted us with the choicest vine called his love. He's built a tower in the middle of it with his name. And he's made a wine press therein with his spirit. God looks for his church to be productive. I don't want to be a wild grape producer. I don't want my life not to produce things that can't be eaten or corrupt in nature. No, I want to remain in this church. I want to be covered by his blood. I want to be surrounded by his love. I want the authority of his name. And I want to be filled with his spirit. Because there's a God-given hunger that he's placed within every one of us. Amen. This wonderful, wonderful thing called the church. Amen. And God's hungry. God's hungry for the vineyard called the church to produce, to be effective, to be loving, to be far-reaching. He wants the church to be producing, inviting, welcoming, powerful. He wants the church to be authoritative in, in, in anointing and, and his name. He wants the church to be everything that he designed it to be. Amen. The church is not weak. The church is not falling behind. The church is not trying to catch up. The church is not trying to survive. The church is victorious. It's his vineyard. And you and I get to be part of it because of a God-given hunger. Oh. Just as it is in the natural when you walk into that house and you're hungry and the sweet aroma of what's being cooked is what you're welcome to, can you think about it right now? I can think about it. Fresh bread, fresh rolls. You can smell that beautiful fragrance of pie. Does it catch you? Oh, it catches me. I don't have any desire to go to anyone else's house at that point. I don't have any desire to go out and work outside. I don't have no desire to... No... I want to sit right down at the table, pull up my plate, fill it up, put as much rice as you want on, Donnie. You got it. They buy rice by the 50-pound bag. You know, you go to the store, you buy a little bag, not, no, not Donnie, buys 50-pound bags of rice. And you got that fragrant, you got a natural hunger. And not anything's going to really distract you from having something to eat. You don't want the phone to ring. You don't want any doorbell noise. No, none of that. Is it just me? Why is everyone so quiet? 
No, it's not. When you get home from a long day and you're ready to eat and you're hungry, I got home the other day, there was fresh biscuits. I went to the cupboard, I grabbed that jar of molasses. See, I don't know. They say food's a way to a man's heart or whatever. That's underestimated. That's it's even more powerful than that. That happens in the natural. Okay, that's how incredible it can be. Listen, I know when ginger snaps are being made. Fresh ones on the tray, more on the that stone thing to go in the oven, and sitting in the fridge is a little bowl of raw dough for me. Ah, oh. I mean, it's just like a little taste of heaven, Donnie. It is. All that stuff gets me in the natural. Why would we ever? ever make a decision that this beautiful hunger that God has given us for the vineyard called the church. And you remind yourself of the day you walked in and the first time you gave your heart to the Lord, music come back. And you remind yourself of the times that he's blessed you and you stood in his presence and, and no one else mattered. And, and you remind yourself of, of the unction of the Holy Ghost that came over you and you got lost in the spirit. And you remind yourself, amen, that when you called upon his name, there was a, a, a powerful presence that just swept over your life, amen, and, and the anointing that went over over your life and heart and spirit and mind and you remind yourself amen as you were baptized in his name and the lightness you felt hallelujah as the past was rolled away washed away forgiven remitted and he filled you with the unction of the Holy Ghost place his name upon you amen let that God given hunger never ever be replaced with anything else because there's nothing greater than the church. Mm. Thank you, Jesus, for the church. When you're in need of prayer, you've got the church. When you're in need of fellowship, you got the church. When you're in need of comfort, you got the church. When you need in need of someone walking right alongside you, arm in arm, you've got the church. Thank God for the church. I thank God for this church on a regular basis. Thank God for the foundation of this church and I thank God for the people of this church I thank God for the faithfulness of the people of this church 
I'm so glad to be part of the church. It won't be because of the building. It won't be because of the location. It's because it's because of all of us in that wonderful family that make up the church. Thank God for the church. Got no desire. Got no desire to be hungry for anything else. It's a God-given hunger. Stand if you would. Will there be disappointments? Sure. Let downs? Yes. People who fail? Yes. All that's going to happen. But the church will survive. And the church will be victorious. And the church will be raptured. Mm -hmm. The church will be taken up in that second coming. That incredible coming back of the Lord for His people called the church. I just want us to celebrate tonight. Let the Lord know how thankful you are that He fenced you in with His Word, that He that He washed you clean with His precious blood. He put His love upon you, fixed His name upon you, filled you with His Spirit. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the church. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.